Ladies and gentlemen, very welcome to this CX talk together with Miles. I know Miles uh, since a while. We worked together for the CX War Games and it was really a great experience with him. I was really impressed about the customer experience know-how that Miles has and he brought into, into the team. It was really, really a great experience. But that's not only what Miles did. Perhaps you can quickly introduce yourself Sure. Um, so I'm Miles. Greg, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I work at the International Baccalaureate at the moment as the head of customer service and experience. Um, but I also uh, release comment, thought and opinion through Human ICX. Um, Greg talked about the, um, the World Games there, and I'm sure we'll probably come on, on to that in conversation. But it was a unique experience, I think, you know, really being able to make a difference. And in CX, often those initiatives take a long time to put together but we were under pressure to get things in quick. So I think that sharpened minds and, uh, you know, I'd love to see more uh, from the CX World Games going forward as well. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Miles. And uh, let's really uh, go into the topics and in what we want to discuss. I went through your LinkedIn profile and do some research and you're really doing quite a lot. Today, we, I would like to speak with you about five steps for a great customer service. Could you please elaborate these five steps? Did you define them? I did. I mean, they are my, my own. Um, everyone will have differing uh, views on what their five steps should be. But I think at a very broad, high, high level, this covers it. And it's, it's really about having, um, you know, engaging and empowering leadership um, uh, executives within an organization that understand the importance of CX. So that's really number one. Uh, number two then comes down into culture, employee experience and empowerment. Um, not only is it that an organization needs to have good leadership, but it needs to empower its staff to be able to create and deliver the right experiences to the customers. Um, beyond that, it's about really building trust and advocacy. Uh, that's step number three. And that's around a consistent service experience so that customers know what to expect and, and they trust you to deliver on what you say you're going to deliver. That's a, a key point. Um, number four is, is a bit more about understanding customers through a VOC program. Um, you know, you've, you've, got to, you've got to listen to your customers, you've got to understand them, you've got to uh, know what, uh, what things are troubling them and how you can help to fix uh, solutions within the services that you provide. And I think finally, it's, it's a bit more than just listening. Um, you have to be seen to take action on what you're learning as well. Um, customers really appreciate when they're listened to and action is taken as a result of that. And that helps build uh, a sense of trust and advocacy for the organization as a whole. So those are the five steps uh, at a high level. Thank you, Miles. I think now it's, it's clear which question I am going to ask you. Let's, let's deep dive one topic after the, after the other. I think they are all extremely important. Let's start really with the first one, engaging and empower leadership. It's the executive support, the, exec the, the executive understanding why customer experience is important, or only let's say why customers are important. What's your view on that? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I think many people who work in the CX space will recognize that um, winning the hearts and minds of the executive suite can be difficult at times. Um, but without that, uh, that buy-in, uh, those people who hold the purse strings who are able to make the strategic decisions as to how to move forward you're going to get stuck um, and you're constantly going to be fighting to try and uh, make change happen. One of the key factors there is um, when you're talking to executives, understand what 
things are important to them. So if you're talking to the finance director, for example, you need to really be thinking about what is the return on investment of some of these initiatives. Um, you know, I've worked in customer service and experience for you know 15 to 20 years now, and you see the same sorts of things. And, and one of the clear analogies is that every company has what I term high volume, low value requests. And that could be um, password reset. So it's not working for whatever reason and customers need to contact you. They don't want to contact you about this, but they have to contact you in order to get in. And, and that requires staff at the frontline customer service to be spending time understanding the problem and fixing it uh, in, in a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, so from a return on investment perspective, you can say, well, let's have a look at this. Let's understand if there's a technical issue that sits behind this. Let's fix that issue. Um, and that will then free up the time of the staff to provide an ever better and better service. Um, you often find staff get quite anxious when you think about uh, introducing AI um, or improvement um, projects. Um, but my view is that uh, as you free up that time, you don't staff don't go anywhere, they stay there, but you enable them to provide greater value. So that leadership is really the, the key pivotal, pivotal point. Um, you, you find in smaller organizations or new organizations, startups, if you like, that this seems to be ingrained from the start. I, I don't know what it is about startup organizations. A lot of them are digital tech uh, focused, um, but their processes, um, their delivery, their communications, their marketing, it, it has an understanding of, of customer experience, at least to a, a good degree already baked in. So if you're in an organization that doesn't have those visionary CX leaders and, and uh, you know understanding those returns on investment. Your job is going to be harder. That doesn't mean it's impossible, um, but you're just going to have to work um, to really articulate um, how you can improve the experience that your customers are having and how that will benefit not only staff um, but the organisation as a whole as well. Um, so that's that's really the key piece around leadership for me. Of course, there are many different styles of leadership. Um, and how that works and that will differ from organization to organization um, my view is that leaders need to focus a lot of their efforts on creating the right um, tools training and empowerment for staff to meet the objectives and goals of the organization as a whole that is a key piece thank you miles i i think this is re really an important topic let's start about speaking return on investment it's clear at the end we are companies we need to make money and therefore yeah. it's important to show a return on a, on, on a venture. I like also what you are saying about technology and you use the word enablement and I think technology is really an enabler for a great customer experience but it's not the solution. Most, most people or most senior people say oh I found out a good technology let's use it please do the project. No it's only let's solve a customer issue a customer need and then we can we can discuss about which technology can support that and then you went to also the staff i like very much that you said staff and not call center agents or something like that you said staff business using cast members and therefore it's really important also to care about the employees we had also at the beginning a discussion about employees how they are important what what can you do for them and we come to the second point that you mentioned it's culture employee experience and and empowerment do we have also some examples that you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, culture is key to an organization. It's sort of the lifeblood as of the staff, really. They are, they are what sits behind everything you do. Um, and, and just before I carry on with that point, just to come back to technology, I think uh, what you said there about 
an executive finds a piece of technology says this is great let's let's uh, embed it i think steve jobs might have a few words to say about that um from beyond the pale of course but um uh, you know you you must start with thinking about what you're trying to solve um what i see uh, today a lot of is that companies will implement technology that looks shiny on the shelf um, and they implement it and then they say goodbye and they let it run uh, the problem with technology today is is not that it can't do what you need it to is that there there isn't always the investment on the ongoing improvements that happen they think it's a, a switch that goes on and that's the end of it um, and that's where staff can come in and staff culture to say you know okay we've embedded this new tool within the organization whether it be you know salesforce or uh, another tool that you happen to be using um, and you naturally learn as you go along and you implement things uh, uh, you know what things need to change and what things need to improve and having that employee voice there not only about um, thinking about what customers need but thinking about what staff need so you might have a voc you might have a, a voice of the customer initiative within your organization where you're listening you need its counterpart for employees to say you know actually um, i'm trying to provide service here to our customers but in order to help uh, this common situation with access to one of our systems i need to go into this system this system this system i find i can't fix it at this point it needs to go to an engineer um, it's about simplicity and uh, that first contact resolution but when we talk about culture and employee experience and empowerment more generally it's a sense of um, belonging within an organization it's a sense that you have a voice within an organization that you will be listened to um, and from the leadership perspective again it's it's saying that you know we need to make sure that they have our staff have the tools training and empowerment to make a difference so uh, if you come on to empowerment as, as one of those items um, if a customer phones you and they say you know i paid for this service i've had a terrible experience it didn't work whatever it might be uh, many organizations will say i'm sorry you can't uh, do anything you need to escalate it up to an executive level for a decision as to whether we can provide a 10% uh, discount code whatever that might be um, what you need to have is staff at the front line who you trust to make informed judgments um where they can delight the customer in that moment to say look i'm so sorry you've had this experience this isn't the way we would have liked it to work you know um i hope that you'll accept a 50 uh, percent refund or whatever that might be coming back uh, i had an experience um a few months ago with innocent drinks um i'm not sure if you've heard of them but they make smoothies um and we were we gave our daughter a, a pouch of the smoothie and uh, we realized that what was coming through the straw was not smoothie but a clear liquid um, so we were really concerned by that we didn't know what it was and we contacted them on uh, twitter and linkedin well i did as you, as you do um, and instantly they came back and they understood that i was concerned that i don't know what my daughter had consumed and they said don't worry this is safe it's something we use to clean them out uh, the pouches before we put the smoothie uh, liquid into them um, and we're really sorry you've had this experience this isn't what we expect we'd like to hear a little bit more about your daughter and what she likes um, so i told them that she loves mickey mouse um, and they sent a letter uh, with vouchers with a hand-drawn mickey mouse on it saying we're so sorry amber to my daughter's name uh, we hope this hasn't affected your experience with smoothie uh, with our with our drinks here are some vouchers so you can enjoy more smoothies free on us and that's a that's an example of employee empowerment right there that the very first person i spoke to whether it be twitter social comms they understood the problem they owned it they resolved it and that made me feel good as a customer and now i'll continue to buy innocent smoothies forever um, most likely 
Um, so there we go, it's culture. You, you can tell from that interaction that the staff um, within Innocent Smoothies feel empowered to make a difference. They feel empowered to correct uh, situations that might have gone wrong. And if you don't have the right culture, um, staff are thinking, okay, they've had a bad experience, but there's nothing I can do about it. I'll pass it on to somebody else further up the chain, which slows the response, you know, and it just goes on and on from there. No, um, I, I think this is a great example that, that explain quite a lot together. On one side is being empathetic, understanding what was your issue that you are really a big question, what's happening? It's perhaps in my, my daughter is endangered or what we can do. And then also finding quite quick a solution. Because at the end, if a customer is contacting a company, they don't care if it's uh, one department or the other. It's a brand and then you have something like brand promise or your brand and they expect the same experience. And as you said, I think this is, this is a key to empower the employees and therefore you need to have employees you trust and then you don't need to script everything what they're allowed to say because you trust them. And, and this is key, I, I fully agree with you. And I think we are also coming to the third point from, from your list and this is build trust and advocacy, consistent service experience. Also there, I think it would be great if you could share your experiences also with this nice, nice example that people can really understand what, what we are discussing about. Yeah, so as I said, I mean, building that level of trust and advocacy is, uh, is a key point. And, and one of the ways that you can um, show your customers that you care about them, if you, if you want to put it that way, is to, make sure that they know what to expect when they interact with you um, and that can be as simple as a, uh, a service level agreement that if you contact us we will respond within this particular point of time. Um, I think it's easier actually to talk, to talk about what what disrupts or detracts away from that sense of advocacy from a lack of consistency. Um, so when you're working with companies and buying services from them you might encounter similar issues um, and you could uh, maybe contact on Twitter and contact on their support email address and get two different answers to your question. What does that tell you? What does it make you think? Well, this company, they don't know what they're talking about. One person's telling me this and one person's telling me this. Um, and one of the best ways to fix that is about having very clear experience uh, paths. So you design to uh, common questions. Um, and that again helps to empower staff because they have clarity on exactly what they need to be doing within a given situation. Um, now, one of, the, one of the things that I think is really interesting here is that um, whilst consistency is really important for building advocacy and trust, um, there's a concept called uh, random acts of kindness. Um, and, and that's a really interesting one where you provide something that is unexpected. And that seems to run in, in, in the opposite direction to what I'm saying about consistency. Um, in that the customer might expect something brilliant next time that they, they, they have an interaction with you. Uh, I actually think both can be true. I think you can be consistent and on occasion provide uh, an exceptional experience where, uh, where that is warranted. Um, so again, consistency um, means that expectations are really clearly set. When I contact company XYZ about a specific problem, I know how they're going to handle it. And that knowing might be a positive or a negative in actual fact. Um, I, uh, I had an experience um, about a year ago where I bought an iPad for uh, 
another one of my daughters. So you can see having daughters is an expensive thing. So, you know, uh, it carries on like that for a long, uh, many, many years. Um, and um, the iPad didn't arrive on time uh, for an important date, um, despite my continuous emails. Now, in my emails, I'm saying, look, all I want to know is when, when I'm likely to receive this. Um, and then I get a message back saying, yes, you will receive this within seven days. Absolutely. We own this. We're going to get it to you. Seven days came and went, um, didn't arrive. I contact again and they say, oh, yeah, it's because uh, we don't have any in stock. We're waiting for some to come through. We know they'll be here tomorrow. We'll phone you uh, to make sure uh, uh, to let you know exactly when you can expect it. The next day, no phone call comes. All of this is building up in my mind a sense of uh, mistrust. Um, this carried on for a long period of time. In the end, they came through, the iPad arrived, they gave me some free uh, AirPods uh, and a case. Um, but the problem is that despite them trying to fix it at that point, the mistrust I had leading up to that point means I probably wouldn't use that company again. Um, and when you think as a customer about how you interact with companies, it's really similar to how you interact with people. Um, so when you meet somebody, they will tell you something about themselves um, and you will take that on trust on face value. You will accept what they're telling you is true. Uh, I'm a good person. I'm honest. I will always respond to your queries, that sort of thing. But it's the culmination of the interactions you have going forward that helps cement uh, a, a real internal idea of what that person is truly like. And that could, again, be positive or negative. Um, and that is quite uh, uh, an agile um, construct within one's mind. Um, but if you go too far down one path or the other, it becomes more solid. Um, where am I going with this? Not really sure, to be honest. But in order to build trust, um, it's about uh, understanding the expectations of the company. It's about them maintaining their promises, um, keeping you in the loop, um, understanding you and showing you through their interactions that they care about you. That builds trust and advocacy. A consistent service is one of the key measures within that. Of course, there are others as well. If I summarize what you are saying. Good luck. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's really bring me to, to think about it. And it's really, it's not prepared, not pre-discussed, but I'm thinking now about the, the book of Ian Golding, Customer What, where you define the customer experience strategy. And there, there are different levels. Perhaps I don't mention every level, but you spoke about which experience do we want to offer? Let's say the customer experience strategy in one sentence, who are our customer? And then what is what are the expectations of the customer? It's simplicity, it's the ease, ease of use, it's um, speed, receiving the stuff quite quickly. Yeah. And this is what customer want. And then I define as the brand, this desired experience that it's aligned with the customer expectation. And therefore what you said, it makes fully sense and it's extremely understandable. And if a company has a customer experience strategy, the easiest way to define that it's in uh, Ian Golding's book, it's based on some pillar and the two big, the two most important are what are customer expectations and the desired experience that I want to offer to them. And this is exactly what, what you are saying with, with your examples. And, I think Ian, Ian will be pleased to hear that. I, if you might be talking about customer what? Is that the book you're referring to? I have a copy somewhere here. But, uh, yeah. no, uh, I am speaking exactly about this uh, 
book. It's really a practical guide and I like it very much because I can use and reuse it. And also when I'm speaking in the company about customer experience, there are quite a lot of uh, examples that I can reuse and it makes really that understandable. And based on what we are saying also to the next um, topic that you mentioned, it's really about understanding the customer. What are the customer expectations? What are the customer needs using voice of the customer? I think this is this is a really big area actually in itself and you could probably have an entire conversation just about this but um, I, I tend to lean on um, Bruce Temkin uh, and his principles here to say you know um, you've got to make sure that the service that you provide meets needs um, the uh, level of effort needs to be low and it needs to be an enjoyable experience so those are the three constructs that sort of sit through nearly all of my thinking I mean more recently um, uh, Bruce Temkin has talked uh, via Qualtrics really around um, using the combination of uh, X data, experience data and O data, operational demographic data. And it's that combination that can help you predict and make the right choices moving forward. Of course, we're not talking about that specific point here, but um, understanding our, cu our customers is, is a, a huge effort. There are multiple ways to do it. Uh, of course, you've got surveys, uh, you've got uh, relationship managers, if you like, that uh, regularly talk to customers. You've got customer rooms, um, you've got customer advisory boards where they can come in and say, you know, uh, we're not sure you're going in the right direction here. And it, it's a check back, if you like. Um, so when you t talk about understanding your customers, it's, it's far more than just a survey where you say, were you satisfied with the service you received here? Of course, that's good information to have, but uh, can you do anything with that data? Not really. Um, so when you think about it, uh, a VOC, it needs to be an enterprise-wide approach. It needs to be end-to-end, -end, and it needs to be very, very, very well structured. Um, now, when it comes to customer service, of course, you can ask questions within a survey. Um, and we do very similar to this. We say, you know, how, how easy or difficult did you find it to get help today? Um, did you feel supported and valued as a customer uh, when you contacted us? Did they display empathy, that sort of thing? And, uh, you know, for other types of services, maybe digital services, you would talk about um, thinking about why you logged on to our system today. Were you able to achieve your goal? Uh, of course, these are not the exact words you would use, but they should be pegged back to those three key principles. Um, did we did we provide value? Uh, were you able to complete your objective as a customer? Uh, how easy or difficult was it to achieve your objective? And did you feel good about this interaction? Did you feel that we cared about you? Um, that is one aspect. Um, other aspects are direct com conversations with customers about uh, particular subjects where uh, we know some uh, big change is coming up in the future. Uh, we want to reach out because we're thinking about making some changes and we want to understand if uh, we're getting it right. Um, far too often decisions are made in, in organizations about uh, big change programs and they're based on assumptions of what we think customers want. And what can happen there is you end up spending tens of millions of dollars, you roll something out, and then you suddenly discover it actually doesn't provide much value to the customer at all. And that can be a hugely expensive uh, mistake to make. Um, the key here is that it's not just about the surveys, it's about building a relationship with your customers. And that can be difficult in really big organizations where it's very operationally driven. Um, but it's still important and there's still ways to do it. So you think about uh, your demographics, uh, the demographics of your customers. You think about the 
personas uh, that you have across different types of customer and you you can be very strategic in pulling the right people into the conversations to help you understand them better at key points within any cyclical journeys that you might have within that organization uh, and that has more than one impact it's not just about helping to understand the customer and build services products technologies that meet their needs add value are easy and enjoyable um, it's also about the fact that customers will feel heard and, and that really comes on to point five i think um, not only listening to them understanding them delivering value the right service um, but being seen to uh, react or act when they have an issue as well i i think what what you're saying i, I can fully agree because there you have uh, quite a lot of data that you can reuse and we spoke about technology nowadays there are quite a lot of technology that you can use in order to make the data understandable and also find correlation. We had discussion about correlating NPS with revenues, correlating um, customer complaints with, uh, with revenues. And these are also key information that you can leverage and reuse. These are more quantitative and then you have also quite a lot of qualitative feedbacks. The last time, the last podcast I, I, was, um, I was listening to, they spoke about uh, um, this voice of the customer like free of charge consultants giving you feedback and at the end it's yeah. really something like that because you get free of charge feedback and important is to do something with this and we come also to your point number five that's one of that i really like to discuss today because let's let's say the fourth the four topics we discussed everybody is discussing about that i yeah. often I often not, I don't really get from everybody also the point we need to act, we need to do something, we need to change for the better yeah. to increase experience. What's your view on that? It's, uh, it's an interesting one. You talked about complaints there as well and, 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 and that's a key part of this uh, and, and that's where you see a more direct correlation between needing to be seen to take action, absolutely. Um, uh, the worry is that if you don't take action or you don't make change happen, you stop getting the feedback. So I think that's point number one. That's the biggest risk. If customers complain, you don't do anything about it. They'll stop complaining. They'll go quiet and then they'll disappear. Um, and it's the same here as well. I mean, um, there are some great and innovative ways in which you can listen to your customers. Um, I was reviewing one uh, last week, um, which is it's a Salesforce product. Uh, I don't work for Salesforce or have any affiliation with them. I should just state that. But uh, something called the Ideas Engine. Uh, and what you can do with this is you can uh, digitally, you have a, a place, a community, whereby you can do one of two things. You can say, um, we're thinking about launching this new service or we're thinking about changing this service and this is what we're thinking we'd love to get your input on that and then customers can feedback and give you their viewpoints uh, or uh, customers can go here and they can say I think it'd be a great idea if you implemented this change or did something differently um, and what you have there is an opportunity um, where you can build that trust um, and you can build that relationship with your customers on a big scale, you know, not one to one conversations necessarily, um, where you can say, OK, we, we think that you've got a, a really good idea there uh, and we're going to implement it. Equally, though, um, you will always get uh, recommendations from customers that you truly can't implement. I mean, the, the cost would be too high or uh, there, there, would, there would be other issues with it. It's equally important to be going back to that customer and saying, you know, thank you so much for your feedback here and your idea. 
um, whilst we, we loved your enthusiasm and the idea you had, um, this is not something we're going to be able to implement and this is the reason why we can't implement it. So the action is not always affirmative in that sense that you would uh, roll out everything that your customers asked for. Um, but even when you can't, there is an opportunity to thank them um, for you know, putting themselves forward. And that will make, you know, that would make me feel good about myself. If I said uh, to a company, uh, I'd love it if you implemented this, this fix or this change. Uh, and they said, you know, thank you. Um, we can't do it, but this is the reason why. Because so often you would just either get no answer or just a flat no. Um, complaints, again, is a, is a different area. It's a, it's a key bit of data that you need to pay very close attention on. And uh, where you have complaints, typically they would be uh, around the lack of provision, uh, provision of a paid for service. Of course, there are other reasons for complaints, of course there are. Um, and that does require an action. And um, at no point within uh, a complaint being raised, should there be any defensiveness from the organization. Uh, it should be very much about trying to understand how that customer is feeling right now. Um, without customers, there are no companies, right? It's, you know, the end of the road. Um, and the organization's task here is to make sure that a great deal of effort is placed on um, not only fixing that individual complaint that's been made, but taking that complaint and looking across your organization to see if that could potentially happen again. Uh, so there are two things you can do there. One is to design the experience around that potential complaint coming up again until you can actually resolve it and stop it from happening in the first place. Um, so that's really about uh, acting on the understanding. It's about building the relationship, building the trust and uh, making people feel valued. Actually, I think that's probably the key thing. Um, uh, we, I think we all, you know, depending on the type of company you're, you're dealing with, if I'm going to buy a house or a car, big ticket items, that's the easiest analogy. Um, you expect to be treated very, very well. Uh, and it can be very, it can be bizarre, actually, sometimes when you think about house buying, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds, francs, whatever currency you're talking about. Um, and yet it feels very perfunctory. Um, you don't feel valued. It's just about getting you to sign that piece of paper. And, uh, you know, that should be turned around. Um, companies who provide services that are much lower monetary value often do an, an excellent job in making you feel valued. So why can't that happen when you're looking at those big ticket items? It should be a hundred times better uh, in, in reality. Sure. I think I can only say I, I fully agree. And this is everything based on closing the loop. Because if you are in a relationship with, with your customer, you trust them, they trust you, then you need also to have um, discussion and keep telling them, yes, I can do that. Or also being frankly and open and saying, no, I cannot do that because it's not in our strategic roadmap, but we understand you and we take care of what you are saying. And exactly what, what, what you said also about um, fixing issues that are arising and ensuring that are not happening anymore, it's about, again, I think your principle number three about consistency. I fixed that, it works well, and, uh, and, and, and then it's done and dusted, and you don't get feedback on this topic again. I think we, we went through the five topics, and also we are approaching the end of, of this interview. Um, perhaps only to get some more details about you. We are now in COVID situation. Uh, we, are, we stick at home. How can you ensure your work-life balance 
Yeah, I think uh, everyone is facing the same issue today, right? I mean, I've been in lockdown since March, effectively. Um, so I'm based in Wales in the UK. Um, and for the type of work or the, the industry I work in, actually, we've seen, uh, you know, a huge increase in the, in the volume of work that we've had to undertake. And um, that, that's difficult from a work-life balance perspective, no doubt. Um, but uh, what, I, what I do fully believe in is that um, at least, you know, the organisation I work for genuinely cares about their staff and um, they're providing, you know, the sort of help, support and services that uh, uh, would be the envy of many organisations. Uh, for me, as a, as a leader within the organisation looking after customer service, um, my view is, is that uh, my job, if you like, is to ensure that all of my teams feel supported. If they need to take time out, they, they take time out. Um, one of the more difficult scenarios is that uh, within the first lockdown, when we're asked to work from home and schools closed, um, you've got situations where, you know, I'm working on a video call and I've got kids that need me at the same time. And, and that, that, that's a great deal of pressure and stress on people. Um, I, I think organisations are starting to truly understand now um, the importance of looking after their, 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 their staff um, because you're going to get burnout, there are going to be mental health issues. And, and uh, you know, in a change to what organisations were like in the 70s, 80s and 90s, um, I think what we're starting to understand now is that to a degree, organisations have a duty of care. I think that's accepted now towards their staff. Uh, and that's really the baseline, uh, a duty of care, but it needs to go much further than that. I mean, um, uh, we, we talked just before we started the interview and I was saying that, you know, what we do is we have regular uh, weekly quizzes. So we meet and we're not talking about work. We're just listening to each other um, because I've got staff in Singapore, uh, the UK and Washington, D.C., when we meet up we bring our food with us sometimes so you know singapore having their dinner we're having our lunch and the us are having their breakfast and we talk about um you know the, the differences in cuisine uh, across those continents as well um you know we have uh, yoga and, and, and mental uh, mental health well-being sessions as well so you know this is this is difficult work-life balance has been more challenging in lockdown than it has been previously um however um it sounds like we we're seeing the first um, hopeful chances of a vaccine coming through that might return us all to some level of normality. But to take it back for one final point on on that, really about work-life balance, this is a key responsibility of leadership within organisations. We must take uh, we must hold accountability for the well-being of our, our staff. I know that when I talk to my staff. Um, uh, well, hopefully it should come across as genuine concern. Um, I believe in them. I understand them. Um, I want them to be successful. And they're not going to be successful if they are overworked. Uh, they're not going to be successful if they don't have the right tools uh, to work either. You know, actually, uh, March, when we decided we were all going to work from home, uh, we moved from a um, office-based environment for uh, a call centre. I use that term loosely because... I think it has negative conversations, but essentially telephone and email support. And we seamlessly moved that to a home environment using Microsoft Teams uh, and other pieces of technology. So, um, you know, it's there's no doubt it's been hugely challenging for everyone involved. Um, but in actual fact, some good has come of it. I think it's brought teams closer together. We're more geographically dispersed than ever, um, but we're closer together in the way that we, we interact and talk. 
the other positive thing that's come out of uh, this whole pandemic for me is that organizations have now started to place greater importance on employee experience um, as a key factor. Um, but also they're thinking about the customers more and thinking about the impact that this has had on their customers and how that might impact the organization too. So it's, it's, there are some uh, positives from all of this. No, sure. I fully agree. And I always like to speak about life work balance and not work life balance. And, yeah. and I fully agree. We have the accountability, not only for our teams, but also for ourselves and our families, because it's our time now that we are coming also to the winter months, that it's not so easy to go out and we need to, to check and ensure that our basic needs are, are fulfilled. Thank you very much. Um, if somebody has questions about what we are discussing or other question or want to a bit more to deep dive some topics, how can the audience reach you? Yeah, the best way is probably on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm often on there uh, providing my, my thoughts and opinions on, on some of these CX uh, perspectives. Of course, we've talked at these things at a very high level. Um, uh, it's really about the detail about how you actually implement changes. Uh, and for me, very much about the, the customer service experience being the key part for me, because that's the, the key interaction angle. If anyone wants to uh, have a chat, uh, follow up, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you're based in Wales, we've set up CX Wales, um, uh, where you know we've, we're putting together a community of uh, like-minded uh, CX professionals to help raise the profile of customer experience in Wales as well. So either one of those two, cxwales.com, if you're based in Wales, or on LinkedIn, um, if, if you want to have a chat. Thank you. And the very last question from my side, there is the last thought. I named that gold nugget that you want to leave us, to leave to, also to the audience. Yeah, um, recently I was uh, judging at the UK Customer Experience Awards and uh, you know, I've seen some real trends or changes in the way that organizations are thinking about their customers. And um, one of those ways is that um, companies are now starting to think with a, a more um, uh, uh, customer success uh, mentality. And I don't mean customer success in the the normal uh, SaaS related customer success ideology. Um, but uh, to give you a very, uh, very solid example, um, one of the companies I was judging was called Vanarama. Vanarama um, lease vehicles um, to people. And, um, you know, with, with the COVID crisis coming in, um, the, the organization uh, rightly considered that they might find that customers didn't want to lease cars because they were concerned about uh, their financial well-being, uh, losing jobs, everything else that goes along with it. And one of the things Vanarama did is they, um, they came up with the idea to offer free um, income protection insurance with every lease. Um, and, and that's just a really small example. But I think what I'm saying is that uh, companies are starting to realize that the more they understand about their customers and how things are impacting them in their real lives, for want of a better term, um, they can show that they support and care uh, for customers, not only in a direct correlation to the services that they're providing, but through a more nuanced and broader understanding of what is impacting and affecting customers, they can actually go so much further to provide uh, an even greater experience. So, you know, companies are providing information on, you know, um, working from home or 
this is the latest information that we're finding on COVID. These are things that companies would not normally be communicating to customers about, but they understand it's on customers' minds uh, and it's a way for them to, um, to build that engagement with their customers from a much broader sense than they have done previously. Thank you, Miles. And with this last gold nugget, I want also to thank you to the audience for being here, for uh, watching this, uh, this webcast. Thank you very much. Arrivederci, grazie mille. And Miles, thank you also to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.